0: If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to the uh, 6th chapter of Ephesians. I want to continue our study through the book of Ephesians tonight and try to wrap this thing up in the near future. We're almost there, and I hope Yahweh sees me through and lets me finish the book. That's the the idea. So uh, I'm not sure how many more lessons that we'll have, but I'm sure that there will be a few in the near future. When we started this epistle, I told you that there are uh, two sections to the book. The first section being the first three chapters and it pertains to uh, our position in the Messiah. It's all about what Yahweh has done through, you know, for us through His plan of salvation. It's about how Yahweh has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. It's about how Yahweh has chosen us from the foundation of the world and it's about how He has predestined us and redeemed us even though we were wicked. It's about how He has lavished us with wisdom and insight. It's about how our inheritance that we have in Him because of our faith in the Messiah, it's about the strength and the power that has been given to us as a as a whole as we hold a position in Christ. And all of this He made possible by His one and only Son. So for the first three chapters... They're not so much about anything that we have done. And it's all about what Yahweh has done for us. We went over all that when I talked through it. But as we discussed in the past, Yahweh doesn't expect us to do nothing. He expects a response to His wonderful gifts that He's given us. And in this way. Philippians chapter 2, Matthew sent this to me and I incorporated it in my sermon. But Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, it says this. It says, So then, my dear brothers, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13 says, For it is the Almighty who is working in you, enabling you both to will and to act for His good purpose. He expects us to do a little something. We're not just, uh, we're not just put here for kicks and giggles and we're not just people walking around on the earth, we have to do a little something, we have to work out our salvation, we have to show forth our fruit. When I say work out our salvation, I don't mean working out a means to salvation, that's not what I mean at all, but rather working out a lifestyle or living a lifestyle that is worthy of salvation. Starting in chapter 4, Paul calls us to walk worthy of our calling. He demands a changed creature to walk as a changed creature should walk. All through the fourth, fifth, and this first part of the sixth chapter, he gives us some protocols to follow, or better yet, protocols to identify the nature of a saint. And Paul elaborates on how a true steward of Yahweh should live. Now throughout our study, we've talked about a lot of things, such as the position of the church, the position of the servant, the position of a father, mother, children, masters, slaves, husbands, wives. we talked about a lot of things and what what we are to do in those selective roles. And while the list of positions is long, the positions are many, so is the criteria required within each one of those positions. Now, we've covered all that pretty exhaustively, and I believe that we should be pretty well informed on what is required of us in our particular positions in the Messiah. So as we start to get to the end of this epistle, and Lord, it has been a long one, it seems like. I know it's only six chapters, but we've been here a couple years. And so uh, it's been a long one. But as we get to the end of it, in the last part of chapter 6, Paul starts to close his letter. He's starting to finish things up. And as he does that, it is my opinion that Paul recognizes the significance of the saints' walk in life and how critical it is for him or her to carry out a spiritual walk as a witness to those who are around him. However, he also understands the struggle that lies within the saint. He recognizes the outside influence that causes disruption within the life of the saint. And so he starts to close his letter in this manner. Let's read verses 10 through 13 in Ephesians chapter 6. It says, "Finally, be strengthened by the Almighty and His vast strength. Put on the full armor of the Almighty so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of its of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of the Almighty so that you may be able to resist in the evil day." And having prepared everything, to take your stand. We'll stop right there. Verse 10 says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and His vast strength. Finally, Paul is drawing to a close, and he realizes the need for the help of our Mighty One. He knows the struggle is real. Paul has given a buffet of information of how to live, how to conduct our Sells as saints. He has educated us in our salvation and assured us of our security. But he recognized that even though we are sealed with the Spirit and we have direction for which we are to go, that we're still going to need a little help. We're still going to need something to guide us. He recognizes that even though you have all the training and the equipment, you need to be a soldier, there's still a war ahead of you. There's still a war ahead of every one of us. The battle lies in the future for every saint. It never gets easier. It never gets easier. The more you try to love, live for Yahweh, the harder life becomes. That's just the way it is. I don't know why. That's just the way it is. Satan doesn't need to worry about anybody who is living worldly. They're not a threat to him. Those people, are, they don't bother him a bit. The ones that bother him are the ones who are sold out to Yahweh. They stand in his way. So as we start this final section in this book of Ephesians, we're going to try to glean from some of Paul's wisdom on how to prepare ourselves for the battles that are headed our way. I was thinking this last week. Just because I know how to do my job, that doesn't mean that I always do it, right? Just because I know that I should be honest doesn't mean that I always am. Just because I know how to be a good husband doesn't mean that my marriage is always at its peak. And just because I know how to or I have been directed on how to raise my family and to raise my children and to guide my children, it doesn't mean that that always comes to fruition in my life. There's a reason behind all of that, and the reason is this, is because I have a thorn in my flesh. Just like Paul says he had a thorn in his flesh. I have one in mine. The adversary is always knocking on my door. He always is getting in my way, and he is trying his best to upset what little bit of righteousness I may produce as a child of the Almighty. Okay, He's always trying to get in, in between me and righteousness. Yeah. He hates righteousness. Yeah. He constantly wages war with the saints. And because of this, we must find our strength in the Almighty. Yes. Okay? Yes. We define this as spiritual warfare. That's a theological term, but that's what it is. Because in verse 12, Paul says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. Okay, Meaning the rulers of a spiritual world. Not out here, not what we face on a day-to-day. We're talking about a spiritual world. Paul always realizes that the battle was not against men, but rather against the devil. In fact, at the end of Paul's life, he says, I have fought the good fight. And I believe that's what he means. Okay. In his ministry, he talks about fighting not as one who beats the air. He tells Timothy, he says, to be a soldier who endures forever. And we see the same thing in the life of the Messiah. He begins his ministry with a battle against Satan for forty days on the mountain. Yeshua is tempted and battles Satan. Okay, and not only at the beginning, but all throughout his ministry. Remember the craftiness of the Pharisees and the Sadducees that are constantly trying to catch him in doing something wrong, trying to say that he's doing something wrong. That was in essence no more than the craftiness of the devil. The devil works through the means of men. All the way to his death, he battled the temptation of Satan, and so will every Christian that bears. The name of Christ. Until you die, you will battle the temptation of of Satan. The Christian life is one of temptation. One of struggles. One of hardships. And to say the least, one of warfare. And folks, don't think that the more righteous or sanctified you become, the easier it will get because it's simply not true. That's not the case. Think about Job and how righteous he was. Job was a righteous man. And look at what he went through. Look at what happened when Satan came to tempt him. Lost his wife. Lost his children, lost everything he had. We're talking about a rich, rich man. Yeah. Lost everything he had. Boils on his body. Leprous. This is a man that was tempted by Satan. He's a true adversary. Okay, he's a true adversary. The more effective you become, the harder Satan works. It's easy to take candy from a baby, but it's hard to take candy from a two hundred and sixty pound man that's six foot five. It won't be such an easy job. The more you grow in your faith, the harder it might be to overcome you. However, you are we're not talking about wrestling against flesh and blood here. We're talking about battling against a host of excommunicated heavenly angels and their leader, which is Satan. Mm-hmm. I used to think the more I studied and the more I educated myself, the easier it would be to keep my faith, the easier it would be to stay strong, the easier it would be to walk a life that was... um Holy and righteous, sanctified. And the more I study, I find myself more educated in those matters. And I know what to do. However, it seems like the more I study, the harder it is. Satan seems to put something in front of me every time. The more, I, the more knowledge I gain, it seems like it gets just a little bit tougher to live that life. The more I know, the harder it is to prepare a sermon. I sit down to prepare the sermons before I teach. And it seems like everything gets in my way. There's always something to do. We need to go somewhere. I need to do something. Something is always in my way trying to take my time. And I know what that is. Yeah. It's it's me being driven away or drawn away by my own fleshly desires. And Satan knows exactly where my fleshly desires are at, and he uses them against me. It's it'll be the same way with you guys or anybody else that ever try to stand for Yahweh, he's gonna do all he can to destroy you. That's what he that's what he's here for. But that's, that's not the truth. It doesn't get easier. I believe you've become a, more of a target than you were before. I think about this situation with cancer that I'm battling now. It's hard to smile every day. It's hard to have a good attitude when somebody gives you an expiration date on your life. It's hard to get up and smile about that. It's real hard. But it's not it's not easy to smile at the future. But you know what? I don't have a choice. What else am I going to do? I have to be strong. I have to endure the battle. I don't have much of a choice. And it's the same way spiritually. It's important that we stay strong and arm ourselves with the armor of Yahweh. Maintain spiritual integrity in times of trouble and warfare. Paul recognizes that here in this letter to Ephesus. And that's the reason for verse 10 and following. He simply says, Brothers and sisters, serving Yahweh is not a simple thing to do. It's not easy. Not because it's hard to be a good steward per se. It's not hard to keep the commands. They're really easy to do. It's hard... Because you got somebody standing in your way. Because your flesh is apt to follow another master. Because that's what your flesh desires. You must battle that. So finally Paul says, After you have been educated on how to live throughout this epistle, be strong, be strengthened by the Lord, and use His vast strength. This brings us to verse 11. Chapter 6 and verse 11. It says, Put on the full armor of Yahweh so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. Well, there's so much that could be said about this. I think you could probably teach on it for four or five days. And um, we're going to get into the particulars of the armor of Yahweh, but I'm not going to do it today. I'll deal with the armor in pieces as we go through verses 14 through 18 in the future. But for now, I want to talk about the armor as a whole and what it does for us. And also, I want to talk about the latter part of the verse, the cunning tactics of the devil, as a need for the armor. So first, why does Paul even talk about the armor of Yahweh? Why is that even mentioned in Ephesians chapter 6? You don't really see anything like this throughout the rest of Paul's epistles. And neither do you see this armor concept in Hebrew thought. Not that they didn't have armor and you, we get some of the war type stuff, but you don't really see it throughout the, throughout the concept of Hebrew thought. So where does Paul get this from? Well, it's my belief that Paul was in prison when he was writing a letter to the book of, I mean, to the church in Ephesus. And so I think maybe he was either chained to or either looking at a soldier while he's in prison. Maybe he sees the armor on the soldier and applies that to the preparation for Christians' walk in spiritual warfare. Maybe he sees how the battle garment of the soldier protects him, how nothing can penetrate the steel that encompasses the soldier's body. And with that in mind, I believe that he applies it to the Christian or the new convert, and because people are familiar with battle garments and you understand that, he uses this image to educate the reader and how to prepare himself for battle against the second strongest force in the world, be it Satan. <clears throat> I'm not sure about you, but I would hate to know that I was going out to battle without any kind of battle armor. I think about those guys that battled all day long, David and Goliath and all those guys swinging big old swords and... All that kind of stuff. Would you like to be a man in the middle of that pile up and not have any armor on, no shield, no sword, no helmet, things like that? They cut you in half and about that fast. I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I don't want to. W- I'd hate to know that that was the case. It doesn't. It doesn't seem smart to me. And now, with that being said, Yahweh has blessed us with everything we need in our battle. Divine resources belong to the saint. We just have to put them on. We just have to utilize the tools that have been given to us. Our dependence upon Yahweh's power is the only armor that we need. That's the way the Bible deals with our problems with Satan. I think the phrase put on here means to put it on and never take it off. It's not, a, it's not like putting on battle armor and at the end of the day when the war is over with we just take it back off. That's not the case here. We're to put on the armor and we're to never remove it. We can't lay our armor down because Satan never stops. He's not going to stop. We'll have to wear it until we die. And while this armor consists of many things, it is most mostly just made up of a righteous way of life. The armor is a lifestyle that is worn in obedience to Yahweh's commands. We gird our loins with the truth. It doesn't say wrap steel around your loins. It says you gird your loins with the truth. Mm-hmm. We wear a breastplate of righteousness. We shod or we cover our feet with a peace and gospel. We take up a shield of faith. faith. We wear the helmet of security or salvation. And we carry the sword of the Spirit, which is Yahweh's word. Folks, these are not actual physical pieces of armor that we need to fight the devil. These are the spiritual characteristics of a saint that, when perfected, are stronger than any steel you could ever wrap around your body. Any steel. These attributes create the perfect armor for (coughs) spiritual warfare. So we must prepare ourselves with them and never allow them to come off. Because at the end of verse 11, it says we must be able to stand against the tactics of the devil. That's the reason for the armor, so that we can withstand the devil. You're not going to defeat him. That's not our job. That's not our goal. We're not put here to defeat the devil. You're not going to defeat him, but you need to be able to withstand him. We are never commanded to battle Satan. He is way too powerful for me. Way too powerful for you, us as a whole. We're not going to beat Him. Okay, We're not not commanded to battle Him. But we can and we should stand against Him. We're told to resist Him and to flee from Him. We're just simply to hold our ground. And so that's what it says here. Who again is the enemy? It's pretty easy. Easy to see. The devil. Now I know some people say there's no such thing as a devil. That's fine if you take that stand. I just disagree. I disagree. I believe there is a devil. The Bible teaches that he is the anointed, was an anointed angel that sought out the thrones of Yahweh, throne of Yahweh and was thrown out of heaven with a third of the angelic host in Revelation chapter 12. The Bible also says he sparkled with, ju- with the jewels of heaven and that he was the highest being Yahweh ever made. Yeah. Yeshua believed in him for crying out loud. He battled with him on the mountain for 40 days. Matthew chapter 4. In Job chapter 1 it says that Satan came before Yahweh and Yahweh asked him if he had considered his servant Job. The apostles believed in Satan. Paul talks about him. Peter talks about him. James talks about him in all of their epistles. Jude mentions him in his letter. He's talked about over and over in the Bible who tempted Eve in the beginning if it wasn't Satan. Who was it that tempted Yeshua at the mountain? Satan tried to thwart Yahweh's plan in Zechariah chapter 3. He snares the wicked in 1 Timothy 3. He desires the nations in Revelation chapter 16. He disguises himself as an angel in in light in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. In 1 John chapter 5, he has the whole world in his grasp, and he is the one who introduced sin in the garden. Folks, Satan is all throughout history, and we are making history now. He's still here. He and his cohorts are still here. Sure, he's not always called Satan. In Ephesians chapter 2 and in verse 2, he's called the prince and the power of the air. In Luke 11, 15, he's called the ruler of the demons. 52 times he is called Satan, which means adversary. 35 times he is called devil or diablos, which means slanderer. He is called the old serpent, the great dragon, the roaring lion, the evil one, the tempter, the accuser, and the spirit now working in the sons of disobedience. He is described by our Lord in John chapter 8 and verse 44 as a murderer and a liar. He is a sinner in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, an imitator in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15, and again a great dragon in Revelation chapter 12. Folks, this is a force to be reckoned with. He's not just a liar and a murderer, but he leads a whole host of liars and murderers. And they are all old and they are wise. They have been around for thousands of years and they are wily and they are clever. They are superhuman, super strong. It says in verse 11 that they operate on the tactics of the devil. The word tactics comes from the Greek word methodius, from which we get our English word methods from. Okay? In other words, we need the armor to stand against all the devil's methods, all of his tactics, all of his schemes. Guys, Yahweh has prepared the perfect armor for us to withstand the devil's schemes. He's given it to us. And we must put it on. Satan is a liar and the father of lies. He is a deceiver and the father of deception. Folks, we're not playing with some man-made problem. This is not a vessel. This is a vessel that Yahweh created that is very forever powerful. Okay? And he's very dangerous. He will not be controlled by a divine antidote. He will only be controlled by a divine antidote. But that antidote is given to us here in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11. Put on the armor of Yahweh. Put it on. You say, TJ, you get a little excited about this. Well, you're right. I get excited. I watch people get their world torn apart by lust, drugs, and deception, false teachings, worldly pleasures, pornography, the redefining of standards, homosexuality, and all the like. I watch people fall by the wayside because they don't care. And they got the answer right here in the book, but they just don't read it. They just don't read it. It makes me mad to see my children grow up in a world that's completely, you know, just convoluted with all this kind of stuff. It bothers me. I do get a little bit excited. I'm kind of passionate about it when the solution to the problem is right here in the Bible, but sometimes we can't even find time to read it. We got plenty of time to do what feels good to the flesh, but man, don't ask us to spend 30 minutes in Yahweh's Word every day. Don't you take that from us. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that we come to the church on the Sabbath day and that's the only time that we open the Bible all week long. That's ridiculous. And kudos to all of y'all that did come to church because the rest of the world's not here. Yeah. They're not there. So good for you who come. Hmm. The world we live in is a playground for Satan and all of his angels. Folks, life's not easy anyway. How in the world do we expect to stand in the Messiah if we are not constantly wearing the armor that Yahweh has designed for us? How do we expect to stand? We must put on the full armor in order to stand against the evil. Verse 12 says, For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Our battle is not against the system. It's not against the system. Our battle is from a spiritual standpoint. It's not against how we're going to make it in life. Okay? Our battle is against a demonic influence in a realm that we don't even comprehend. You don't even understand it. I don't understand it. We don't get it. How in the world do you think you can battle there? You can't. You can't. All you can do is prepare yourself for what they bring to you. Remember, we were not created to battle Satan nor his angels, but we are given the ability to withstand them. Satan and his angels don't just pick up, pick on us personally. They influence everything that we're involved in. Everything that you do. That's the way they work. That's the way they work. So the reason for our preparation is so that we, when we are attacked in some way, and believe me, that you will be. Attacked. When we're attacked, we're prepared for it. You can't possibly do battle with Satan and his cohorts. So instead, prepare yourself not to do battle, but to resist the evil that they present us with. All of Satan's angels and themselves know that their time is limited. And it's his goal to take as many with him as he can. When evil things are presented to us, we should present them to our commander-in-chief. That's what we do. We put, we put our armor on. And we leave the battle in Yahweh's hands. That's what we do. We don't mess around with dominions that we don't know anything about. Yahweh can handle our battles if we just bring them to Him. That's our victory. We just be obedient. We just be obedient. We succeed when we do our part of resisting the devil and stay in the course. Now I, stated, I started this sermon reminding you of what we are called to do as new creatures. We have certain protocols and tasks to fulfill. And that's our job. If we do these things, we have succeeded. But because Satan and his angels plan to stand in our way, we must be ready. We've got to be ready. Verse 13 says, This is why you must take up the full armor of Yahweh, so that you may be able to resist an evil day, and have him prepared everything to take your stand. I want to deal with one part of this verse, because it's pretty much repetitious. I want to deal with one part of it, and then I'll close. It says, it says that, So that we may be able to resist in the evil day. What does Paul mean by evil day? Is he talking about some futuristic day? Some future day to him? Some future day to me? Some future day to you? Is he talking about a particular certain day? I don't believe so. I believe Paul is referring to each and every day. Every day or any day that dawns that we can and will be drawn away by our own fleshly desires. When the United States Armed Forces prepare for battle in the sense of practicing for war, they don't have one specific day in mind. When they prep those battleships and when they fly over battlefields and they do maneuvers with the planes and they shoot down targets and things like that, they're not preparing for one great war that's coming in 2026. They're being prepared so any time the battle comes to them, they're ready to fight. They're ready to fight it. And I think that that's what Paul has in mind. We are to equip ourselves constantly for any battle that comes our way. And in doing so, we're always prepared to resist the evil one. Brothers and sisters, life's not easy. Living for Yahweh would be easy if we didn't have any temptations to throw us off. But unfortunately, that's just not the case. Yahweh created us to be the bride of the Messiah. Satan is forever jealous of that and he will do anything that he can to tarnish the look of that bride. But Yahweh has made every provision to preserve the look of that bride. Every provision. All you have to do is read his word. It's there. He has given us the tools and the armor to withstand the temptations and the tactics of the devil. Be strong in knowing that Yahweh is on your side. He's on your side. If you are a child of the King, He is on your side. He's made the provisions for you. Ephesians 1.13, you heard the gospel, you believed, and you have been sealed with the Spirit. We're already seated in heavenly places, uh, uh, heavenly places. Ephesians 2 tells us that. Okay. He's giving you the provisions here and Paul's telling you, hey, look, I've done all this. He's done all that. Stand firm in Yahweh's protection. Be strong in knowing that Yahweh on your side. Prepare yourself for the armor that He's given you and stand in it until He removes you from this earth and we can live in security with Him. You stand in it. Amen. Put on the full armor of Yahweh. Amen. Next time I teach, we'll get more into the specifics of the armor, the truth, the righteousness, peace, faith, the Word. But for now, be strengthened by Yahweh and His vast strength. Blessed Sabbath to all of you guys. I'll pray and then somebody can take testimony. Yahweh, Father, thank you for your knowledge and thank you for your grace and your mercy. Yahweh, you are a great king. You are a great king. Father, we honor you today. We give you glory and we give you praise because you are majestic. You are mighty. And Father, as strong and as mighty as Satan is, and we know that that um, even the other angels didn't argue with Satan. We know how powerful he is. Father, we thank you for the protection that you've given against him. And Father, we know that you are you're more mighty than he is. So, Father, we rest in that. We know that you've made provisions for us to stand. And Father, I just pray as a church that we uh, that we stand in your vast strength. We recognize that you have um, given a righteous way of life for us to live. And in that righteousness lies the tools that will prepare us for battle. So, Father, I just pray that we do that. We love you. We're so thankful for you, your only begotten son. So thankful for him, Father. And I just pray that you bless each one in here. Give us the strength to stand in times of trouble and times of need. Father, we we'll I ask all these things in Your Holy Son's name. Amen.